0: At the T-minus 3-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data.
1: You're listening to The Radiator, 105.9 FM. W-O-M-M-L-P, Burlington, Vermont. This is Rocket Shop Radio Hour. I'm Caleb Humphrey, your host tonight. Rocket Shop is Vermont's weekly local music show featuring artists performing live and sharing their unique personalities and inspiration. Rocket Shop is supported in part by an award from the Burlington City Arts Community Fund. Tonight's guest is Burlington-based composer Matt LaRocca. How's it going, Matt? Pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Nice. I'm doing, doing especially great tonight. Um, so you're a locally based, com- excuse me. So you're a locally based composer who, according to your recent article in Seven Days, originally majored in chemistry at Middlebury College. Um, how did that end up leading to music, and how did you go from chemistry to end up teaching music and being so involved with the scene in Burlington? How did um, Yeah, what road took you to that course is what I really want to know.
0: A very convoluted road. It took me. It took me a long time to figure out that I wanted to be a serious musician. Actually, Um, so yeah. So I was. I studied chemistry and music in college, Mm -hmm. but I was a chemistry major. Then after Middlebury, we moved out west to Montana. Me and a bunch of buddies from college right have to ski more yeah. than anything else and it's
1: better out west as everybody knows
0: so yep. why not and and i worked as a chemist i worked as, in a research lab mm-hmm. doing creating uh, bio-inorganic nanoparticle cages i have no idea what that means i don't either anymore <laughs> it's been so long and I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. It was, wasn't why you wanted to be getting up in the morning? No. And, and at best I would have been a passable, mediocre chemist. Mm-hmm. I worked with a lot of people who had creativity and vision yeah. in chemistry, and that was absolutely not me. Mm-hmm. So, so I started trying to figure out what I really wanted to do, um, which, was, which was make music.
1: Right. Did you know that all along, or did it just hit you one day, like, oh, I should be a musician? Did it take you a while to figure out that was what um, really drove you? Um, How did it come to you?
0: I think I always knew, but it took a long time for me to convince myself. Yeah. You know, it sort of always was percolating and moving around in the back of my brain, but Mm -hmm. to take that actual step and say okay now I'm going to I'm going to be a musician right it's, it is a big step I think it's not, it's not easy There's a, it's, a, it's a weird career right for, for
1: some people especially it's hard to tell their parents so I'm not going to yeah. be studying computer science anymore mom and dad I'm going right. to um, become a cello
0: player instead right what um, can go wrong Right. Yeah. Exactly. And The answer is everything.
1: Yeah. It's. Um, I think especially now, um, for a lot of reasons, a lot of young people feel um, kind of intimidated by seriously pursuing not only music but art of any kind, because there's this age-old fear of oh you're going to be a starving artist with and you're going to end up poor and right um, this and that you know which has been. Um, I, I know I've. I've no since the the fifties. You know, people have always been saying, "Oh, you're gonna go nowhere with art," but it is a lingering um, concern, I think, for a lot of people who feel um, drawn to go down that road, but they, you know, they still get cold feet about really jumping into the the artistic pool.
0: Right, and you know, and I think, for a, to a certain extent, more than any other career paths, it do, you know, it does hold water. It's it's hard to be. A full-fledged artist and just subsist on your art alone but yeah but you absolutely can and there's an artist Clark Derby's he actually did the mm. the walls inside of Arts Riot oh, and cool. does a lot of really fascinating street art all yeah. over town
1: yeah a lot of the murals in there are really sick
0: yeah so sick you did all of them uh, the ones in the bar right now oh, okay not the ones in the performance space Okay, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah. And and both he and his wife are artists. Mm-hmm. And those are those are sort of the people that I look up to. Right. You know, it's people it's people who
1: can eat, sleep and breathe in.
0: Yeah, and, and he, he said I heard him say once, he said something along the lines of it's a chosen path. He's mm-hmm. like, and you can always make it work. You just have to choose to make it work.
1: Right. You have to really seek out what it is you want to do.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Did you grow up playing music? Then did you? I did. Okay, so you had some experience before, um,
0: right? Um, before college. Absolutely. I had, I had a lot of experience growing up. Um, grew up in a very musical household. I was one of four siblings, and my brothers and sister and I all played. The very first band I was in, I was in eighth grade, and my brother is two years older than me. Mm. And I joined the Screaming Tomatoes <laughs> as a bass player, playing with, you know, to me, what at that time were seniors and juniors in high school, right. and it felt like I was like, like old, oh my god, rough, yeah, older, rough crew. Exactly. My parents were not very musical, mm-hmm. incidentally, which is always funny that somehow it passed on to the four kids, but yeah, didn't really originate with them.
1: Hmm. No one else in your family played though. Besides Uh, your siblings? No. I mean, no no aunts or uncles who uh, introduced it to you? Not really. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So, yeah. don't really know where it came from. (laughs) Right.
1: It just happened. Exactly. Huh. Um, Yeah, and now you currently teach at UVM, right? So you're really um, involved in music. You know, it's not just something you do outside of your day job, but it also... Right,
0: and to me, that was one of the goals. Is when I decided to to become a musician. I I never wanted. And I don't don't preface this with it's just me because it works Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of really amazing artists who have a legitimate day job that has nothing to do with art. Right, but for me, I wanted everything i was going to be doing to be music related in some way shape or form yeah all or nothing all yeah exactly and even if it's not i mean if i if i could i would just sit and write music all day mm-hmm. or sit and perform music all day but even if it's not doing that i love that i'm always i'm always thinking about some aspect of it i'm always working within the within something that is related to music and is either making or teaching or yeah, performing something along those have, lines. You always have
1: that opportunity too of being exposed to something
0: new, right? Um, you know, by your peers or your students. Um, absolutely, you're, just, you're surrounded by music. It's one of the reasons I love teaching college. Actually, mm. I mean, it's it's very trite and cliche. Mm-hmm. You know, teachers always go, like, "Ah, yeah, I learned so much from my students." Yeah, but it's absolutely true.
1: Totally, because I remember my first few years of college, I definitely try to expand my own musical vocabulary and what I was listening to, and um feel like, when you just start school, you're very open-minded to a lot of new music, so you mm-hmm. want to take in a lot, but you're also listening to so much, everyone has a lot to share at the same
0: time. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, so your main project that's coming up, I believe some, sometime in early October, right, your Jukebox series...
0: October sixth.
1: Um, October sixth is the start date for uh, for jukebox. Um, it's going to be debuting at Arts Riot, correct? Correct. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, what is it? Who's involved with it, and where did it come from?
0: So jukebox is one of it's one of the my favorite projects that I have going on. It's a partnership that we do with the Vermont Symphony and Arts Riot. And and I mean, in sort of a nutshell, mm-hmm. over the past hundred plus years, classical music has sort of gotten a bad rap. You know, there's all—it's kind of a dirty word to some it people. Really, oh, it's totally a dirty word. You know, you you get the uh, you're going to a classical show? Yeah. Cool. You know, and you can see, you can hear the eyes roll back. Right. Um, and it and it just doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Nor does it. In in all my experience, I've never found a person who really truly dislikes classical music. Mm -hmm. They might dislike having to go to the concert, or they might not. They might just dislike the idea of it. Yeah, because it is kind of a black tie affair, right? In most scenarios. Um, And so the big goal of jukebox is to change that Mm -hmm. and have an environment where you come in, you hang out, and you listen to music. Yeah, and it just so happens that that music is a string quartet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The the executive director of the symphony, Ben Kidd-Walter, uh, Every once in a while, he'll say something along the lines of, "Do you like music? Great. <laughs> this isn't going to suck. You're going to like it." <laughs> yeah, and that's said. sort of what it boils down to. Right, and it's and it's so true. Is that it's just the the shift in environment changes it. So. The accessibility is awesome.
1: Yeah, I think maybe one of the biggest turnoffs for people and um, just the the formality behind classical music is it's not very social. It's right. music um, where you're expected to sit, be quiet, and fully digest every single note you hear. Um, when you know, if it's a Friday night, a lot of people want to go and grab a drink and hear something that's interesting, but also Catch up with friends, meet new people, whatever it may be. But you know, on the weekends, it's kind of just human nature, but people like to socialize. Right.
0: And that's and that's what Jukebox Jukebox does, it allows for that to happen. Yeah.
1: Was it hard to get the Vermont Symphony Orchestra to sign on to this? Or like when you said, Oh, I no. want to do it at a bar, were
0: they like what This uh, are you the, about? the the whole entire scheme was cooked up between the Vermont Symphony and Arts Riot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben PJ myself, we were all talking, you know, how do we make this happen? Yeah. And it came out of an event that we did there just about a year ago now where we had a 10-course plated meal mm-hmm. that each course had a piece of music specifically picked to make that food okay. taste different. I read that in the 7 Days
1: article and I thought that might have been a typo, that it was actually a 9 or 10-course meal because I thought going to be the longest dinner it was people have ever it was sat through. amazing
0: <laughs> it was amazing you know it was, it was probably an hour and a half long and people left fat drunk happy and saw some great <laughs> music ate some unbelievable food right and and it was so so successful that we tried to figure out how can we keep this going but increase its presence and increase people coming.
1: Yeah, how do you build momentum?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one one of the coolest things about Jukebox, too, is that tickets start at 5 bucks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that to me, that's a huge game-changer, too. You don't have to pay $30 to go see a concert you may not like. Right, it's accessible to everyone. Yeah. The vast majority of people. Which um, is awesome.
1: Who's the first act on the bill? Who's going to be the first one taking the stage?
0: So we've got... A string quartet made up, made up of all Vermont Symphony members. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy Andrews, Brooke Quiggins playing violin. Yeah. Steph Taylor playing viola and John Dunlop playing cello. Mm. And they'll play uh, one string quartet and then they'll each be doing a round of solos too. Okay. Which will be... Solo pieces, yeah. right? Not, not improvised solos. Right, right. Solo yeah. pieces. Yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're cool. They, there's a whole range... Brooke is is a violinist, and one of the things I love about working with Brooke is she's the kind of person who can play any style. So she'll play Bach, and then she'll be like, "Oh yeah, now I'll go play fiddle music."
1: She well, um, likes to work in between.
0: Yeah, she them, she plays uh, with a band in New York where she sometimes dresses in a tiger mask. Cool. And you know she's a rock star, and so she's playing uh, a very almost fiddle-inspired piece, mm-hmm. which is. You know, it's virtuosic, and you look at what she's doing, and you're like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't even understand what's happening, right? But you don't know, that it's sort cool of though. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the
1: string quartet, though, what pieces are they going to be playing, or even now?
0: So they oh yeah, so they'll be playing. What it's probably one of the more famous quartets, but uh, Dvorak, the American Quartet, mm-hmm. written just around the turn of the century, and full of sort of folky music almost. Yeah. Really area. beautiful, really fun.
1: Hmm. Not familiar with that one. You'd love it. You totally dig it. I'll take your word for it. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll definitely have to stop by for that one. Um. So I was um, at Arts. Uh, excuse me. I was at Art Hop a few weeks ago. Um, actually at Arts Riot for a different event. Um, it was a different music festival. Called, um, a, I, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but it was sponsored by Turn Music. It was. Um, the North Country Electronic Music Festival. Exactly, right. That is the exact event I was at. And it was probably some of the weirdest music um, I'd ever seen in Burlington before. And I could tell by the expressions of everyone else in the audience that they were all feeling the same thing. Um, I thought it was awesome, though. It was um, music you don't normally see around Burlington. I feel like you have to go to New York or someplace where it's very urban and weird and... Um, It was like nothing else, but it was also um, kind of refreshing. But I also learned recently that you have ties to Turn Music, the group that sponsored um, this event, um, which is miles and miles away from uh, performing with a string quartet. Um, It was electronic music. There were synthesizers involved. There was some stuff that I'm sure some people won't even consider music. Yep. Um, It was definitely an exploration in the sound but one that was very far away from the classical world um, it was very machine oriented um, so this is another side of what you do this is something very far away from playing with a symphony orchestra um, how do you get involved with turn music
0: what else do you do with them what else is going on over there so I, get, I first got involved with turn music when so we m- My wife and my son and I, we have two kids now. We had one kid at that time. We moved to Vermont Mm -hmm. maybe about three years ago, a little less. And no jobs. We were just, we were in Boston and we needed to get out of Boston. We needed a change. Right, had to head up to the country. Yeah. And moving here and being a composer, you know, one of the first things we do when we move here is I. I wrote to pretty much every music group in town, every classical group, every new music group. Not even town in the state, being like, Hey, I'm Matt, I'm new in town, I'm a good guy. You wanna play some of my music, what do you think? Um and Ann Decker, who runs Turn Music, was mm-hmm. you know, one, actually one of the only ones to respond positively. And so and she's like, Yeah, sure, let's you know, she wrote me back a couple weeks later, she said, let's play this piece. Send me the music. Let me check it out, and that was and it was my first piece of music performed in Vermont. Cool. So that was how I first met them, and then I played with them once before a show, mm. and then last year played at the Electronic Music Festival. Okay. You um yeah you did an improvised set right? Uh, that was a different show. Last it year at that, la- yeah, see. last year I did a you, piece you for electric shows, guitar. Though, I do know. Of, the life of the musician, especially in Vermont. Um, <laughs> I did a piece for electric guitar and mm-hmm. and video. It was all this chopped up audio mm-hmm. from prisoners. There was a movie back in the 70s called Scared Straight where they went in and they interviewed a bunch of prisoners and basically it was so scary. The idea is you show it to teenagers and the teenagers don't want to ever end up in jail. Right, scare tactics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's all these intense guttural... Swears and the, and it's very in your face, almost violent. And it's sort of this battle between all the what are the prisoners are saying and the electric guitar. It's really cool. Yeah, really, really metal cool. I don't know if yeah, that, that was the intention. Absolutely metal. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely metal. There's, I mean, there, and there's times where you're just shredding too. Yeah. Nice little tapping section. Whole nine yards. Yeah. Very cool. Well I think now's probably
1: uh ideal time just to take a break and give some people some music. Um so um yeah, would you um uh, bring in what would you like to share with uh on the air right now? What um what pieces do you bring in?
0: One of the one thing that I'd like to share is one and since jukebox is coming up, one of mm-hmm. the projects we did with art Riot was I arranged music for Henry Jameson, who is a singer-songwriter. Right, is a very familiar name around Burlington. Yeah, um, for it to be formed with a string quartet. Mm-hmm. And then they recorded it, and they released it on their Live at Arts Riot record. And that, that just came just out came recently, out. right? Yep, came yeah, out yeah, I was during in Art Arts Riot
1: Hot. last night, and I saw that um, as you walk in. They had it propped up. I was like, yeah, oh, exactly. so cool. Yeah, um,
3: She wore a black jacket and the winter sun beat down Or I guess it was early spring when we were in a park in Chinatown If I were the jacket, her chest and limbs all wrapped around I would soak up all that light into my line I leaned in to feel the warmth pouring on skin Yes, I tried to breathe her essence like it was precious
2: oxygen
3: She took off her jacket the second we walked in And I soaked up all the light from the fluorescence
2: What was I supposed to say to her? Grocery aisle in the air conditioning. What was I supposed to say
3: to? I was coming up empty. Coming up, I was on my phone for half an hour and bleached in the white light glare. Sitting at the sports bar because a game was playing there. And the hometown team was down by 10, but I really didn't care. I just soaked up all the lights from the flat
2: screens.
3: Oh, where can my little darling be? Most of the money I have spent, i spent spent Now I'm looking for some earnestness And my mind won't let me be Till I soak up all that light into my life
2: What was I supposed to say to her? In the grocery aisle In the air conditioning What was I supposed to say to her? Coming up, empty, coming up,
3: all day I did not know if we'd break up or I'd propose. We walked out into the April gloaming.
2: Come to me now, muse, tell me something I can't confuse. Sing me something I'll never lose. Grocery aisle in the air conditioning. What was I supposed to say to
3: her? I was coming up empty. What was I
2: supposed to say to her? the grocery aisle in the air conditioning. What was I supposed to say to her? I was coming i
1: Alright, so if you're just joining us, I'm Caleb Humphrey, here talking with Matt LaRocca. Um, what was the name of that piece you just barely put on for us? The Jacket. Jacket with... Uh, that was The Jacket with Matt LaRocca and Henry Jameson. Um, and the Vermont Symphony Jukebox Quartet. Right. Um,
0: yeah, how did that collaboration come about? How'd you guys get in touch? It was something that pj and patty at arts riot had first started talking about okay so we did they did a show with henry jameson and ryan miller ryan miller was the singer Mm -hmm. or is the singer from guster oh Um, very cool yeah yeah i I was a pretty big fan of theirs in high school actually. yeah and so they wanted to do a a show with the two of them and then with a string quartet as well mm-hmm. so they got they did they each did three solo songs and then they each did three songs that i arranged for string quartet to be performed with right. them and was it
1: the three songs
0: that you collaborated with were they new pieces or were
1: they songs that you added your own touch to that they'd already recorded previously? right so there were
0: songs that they had already recorded at one point mm-hmm. and then it was just a You know, a very cool opportunity to redo them and put them in a different light. Right. Um,
1: So that explains the clapping at the end of that last track, right? Right. So that
0: was, yeah, that was from the live show, which was uh, in June.
1: Yeah. What's it like working with a singer or a folk musician or someone who could possibly not be, um, you know, trained in music theory or have a classical background? You know, what is it like? working with someone who comes from a very,
0: diff- very different world than the one you do? For me, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's a different perspective, and there's always such a cool meeting ground in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and a lot of it makes sense to me, too. So uh, I, I grew up playing the viola and the piano, mm-hmm. but when I learned to play guitar, I'd never, I actually still haven't ever taken a lesson. I should <laughs> at one point. It would be so good for me. <laughs> um, so I, I literally sat with Allison Chains and Metallica and mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin and taught myself how to play guitar by listening to them over and over and over. Right, you know, and that's a very this
1: rock was, and roll approach to it, too. Yeah, you just in your room with a guitar, figuring out absolutely. how does this work.
0: And this was, this was pre-internet, so there weren't even the beneficial... Yeah. YouTube videos out there to sort right. like hey, no, hold your hands like
1: this. Yeah, or no awful hard to read guitar tabs to find
0: online. Right, exactly. So and there's things to this day that I do that are you know, they're wrong. They're mm-hmm. not they're not how you should play guitar. Mm-hmm. They work for me because I've taught myself how to do them over years and years, but it would never be what you would teach someone how to do. Right. It's something you couldn't learn in a classroom. It's right. something you figure out
1: by accident and then you're like, oh that actually sounds kind of cool. Yep. I think I'm onto something.
0: Um, and so I love, and that, so to me it's easy because I absolutely see their side of their, their perspective of it, mm-hmm. and I and I love working with them. Right. Any plans to work
1: with any other vocalists or any other artists lined up right now? Hopefully, None,
0: no one lined up, but right. some in the works. So right, always have it'll, something to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, it'll be coming. Cool. Nothing solidified yet, though. Mm. So
1: last year you collaborated with choreogra- um, choreographer. Erica Miller, multiple times. Um, she also teaches at UVM, right? I think so. Okay, I don't know if that. Maybe I'm making that up. She might. Name sounds very familiar. I could be wrong. Um, but um, so you worked with um, performances with Erica, where you added a visual element um, to your music, and she choreographed dancers and skateboarders. I believed in one piece and you also performed a piece on Lake Champlain, right? Right. People would have to go out to the docks to watch it. Um, What was that like, just to sum it up in a nutshell? What is it like kind of adding a visual element to music and also working outside and having the, um, the unpredictability of being outside of the concert hall?
0: The unpredictability is terrifying and awesome. -hmm. And that's sort of what, and the same thing with adding the visuals. Yeah. And Er, so Erica is this fantastically interesting person who has the ability to see, you know, not not what's in front of you and not what could be there, but to dream so big that she creates these giant things. I don't even Mm -hmm. really understand it, but the the thing. So we did two projects together. First was between land and water. Which was in the Burlington Sailing Center down on Lake Champlain, and the second, which was uh, this July, was in the old abandoned part of 189 that was turned into a skate park. Oh right, yeah, it's and in a both of these, place. yeah, in both of these, she's she's coordinating these crazy amount of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's six, you know, 60 plus people in each of them. On the lake, there are people on the dock, people in the water, people on boats, people on the breakwater, people on paddleboards. And they're all doing this crazy, intricate, oriented movement that all somehow comes together and makes sense. Right. And both times, she and I would talk a lot all throughout the process, working through it but the actual act of seeing the visuals come together and seeing the music come together didn't happen until the day before the performance.
1: Yeah. Did you perform at this? Were you one of the musicians? Yep. Um, Was that challenging to do because you were so involved playing music? You know, you'd look up and be like, oh, this actually looks kind of cool. Then you'd remember, oh wait, I need to be playing right now. I can't watch all the dancers. yeah. What was For that sure. like? Yeah. Must be kind of weird to see a whole other element to your own music added.
0: Yep. You can. You can't look around too much. You sort of. You sort of have to zone in and focus on. Yeah. What's at hand. But it is. It is. It, and it was amazing to look around and see. Just how much was happening. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Did you guys
1: um, work separately? Um, how much of a collaborative effort was this? Was it? Um, would you write a little bit of music and show it to her and then she'd sh- show some dance routines and then you'd go back and work a little bit more? Was it like that? Or did you guys already have separate ideas that
0: you found a way to fit together? So it's, and it's actually probably one of the more interesting collaborative processes I've ever had is working with her. And that we, right from the get-go, we're very, we're looking at the site, we're talking about it together. We're sort of, in some ways too, like structuring the performance, what is it going to be like? And I'm looking at the site. And I'm thinking, what's going to fill this area? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And listening to her tell me about the dancers and the movement and what's that, what's that is going to happen. But then I go off on my own and I write the music. Uh, and they're all sort of large-scale improvisations because they take place over almost 40 minutes. And so I go back and I structure out these big improvisations. And then you know, I'll tell her a little bit about them. I'll be like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's gonna be. This is where sort of how the arc is gonna go," and she'll say, "Okay." So even the music of the performance was improvised then. Right. Correct. Cool. Very spontaneous. Yeah. And that's some. That's you you some didn't of the even stuff know what that was gonna I happen. <laughs> Not really. Which is the best. We sort of set benchmarks for ourselves, being like, "Okay, we need to be here, here, and at half an hour in, we should probably try to be doing something like this." yeah but everything that connects those dots mm-hmm. was wonderfully up in the air
1: yeah I, I studied jazz in, in college and I, I do know that, that feeling of at least having goals in mind and you're like alright I don't know how we're going to reach these goals yep. these different destinations but we'll find out um very exciting where you have um certain places you need to be but you know what, what goes on in between is always a mystery right um My next question is: Why do you um, wh- uh, what what uh, how do I want to phrase this? Um, why don't you just do <laughs> one thing now. instead? Wouldn't Wouldn't it just be easier to be a a viola player and just play exclusively with a symphony and um, have that be your main shtick? Or um, you know, why do you choose to um, reinvent yourself in so many ways, or do performances that are unconventional? when honestly most people find it a lot easier and less of uh, a creative hassle to, you know, just stick in one field. Why, why wear so many hats? That's a great
0: question. You've got me reevaluating my life right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Crushed. <laughs> right. It's it could have been way easier this whole time. <laughs> it could You've been, have been doing it wrong. I know. <laughs> where were you five years ago? <laughs> Killing me. It's be. I, I think it's because I I like, I just like it all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love playing in a symphony. I love, I love directing a symphony. I love writing classical music that people send the concert hall for, mm-hmm. but I also like doing weird stuff. Right. I like, and I also like playing in bars with, with rock bands, you know, I, I like, yeah, I grew up doing that. I did that all through college, and I never want to lose. I never want to lose that aspect of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially you know with rock and roll, and from my experience playing in bars, there's something really immediate about having the crowd be only a few feet away from you and playing incredibly loud. And, oh yeah. Um, just being able to see people's reaction and feeding off the energy that they're putting out there. There's something incredibly satisfying about playing in an environment like that.
0: And it it feels good when when you get the reaction you want. Right. You know, that's one of the big differences between classical music and other types of music. In classical music, we basically get to lock you in a concert hall, tell you to turn your phone off, tell you to not talk, sit in your seat, maybe you can go to the bathroom but probably not, (laughs) and just shut up and listen. Right. And you can't do that in almost any other form of music. So you have to I mean in some ways you almost have to win the audience you have to have them listen to you mm-hmm. you don't get the luxury of telling them to listen right because if
1: they go to a bar they might not even be there to hear you play they might just right. be there to hang out where they go to a concert hall you know the the, the players the symphony you know they are the focus they are the, uh, the ones who get all the attention yep um, yeah it is uh, a little odd in that regard um, do you ever receive any criticism or have you received criticism for um, being outside the box or when you talk to other musicians maybe other people in academia and you say oh I do A, B and C I, I like rock and roll I like classical music um, is that sometimes hard for other people to swallow What do you?
0: what's the reaction you normally get it's usually no actually mm-hmm. I think we're in a you know, we're in a time where 30 years ago, people would have been more surprised. Yeah. But at this point, you know, most of the most of the classical musicians I hang out with also put on talking heads when they're driving home from work. Right. I mean, who you doesn't know, love the talking heads? What's that? Who doesn't love the talking heads? Literally nobody. <laughs> right. I mean, I, that's, I think that's a fact.
1: Yeah. It's it, science. It's funny because they were all art students, but they were probably like one of the most important rock and roll bands of yeah. the past 40 years. Absolutely. But no one really... Knew anything about music in a traditional sense. Um, Just the
0: creativity in them is astonishing.
1: Yeah. Astonishing. Um, and being a, a millennial, as they call me, um, it is interesting <laughs> growing up with the internet where you, there's no set of, I don't know, this idea of um, kind of music trends has been mellowed out in a certain way. Where in the growing up with the internet, I was exposed to a lot of different music um without really having one um, bias towards it. You know, I can right. remember getting online when I was fifteen and finding John Coltrane and also listening to Talking Heads and Sonic Youth and um, and I, I know I'm not the only one that, only one with an experience similar to this, but growing up having the internet where music isn't really filtered in any way, you're just kind of being you're able to find sounds and when you're young they are just sounds. So I think right now we live in this climate where everyone's a little bit more open minded. Um, at least with music, hopefully where, um, at the end of the day, it is just sound in this idea of it being classical or jazz or rock or whatever. Um, avant garde.
0: It, it it's matters arbit- less.
1: Yeah. It's kind of arbitrary. It's just yeah. a, a box to put it in. Um, definitely people seem, yeah, more receptive just cause it's easier to listen to a lot in a shorter period of time.
0: It's such a wild way to think about growing up like that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm on the cusp of, um, you know, the cusp of the technology generation.
1: Right. The digital natives, where,
0: you know, <laughs> but my, my first email address was in college. Mm-hmm. And it was still some weird Unix system that <laughs> obviously was terrible. You know, so I, I, I really couldn't imagine growing up like that. It's so cool. Yeah. It's a little odd. I feel like, honestly, a lot of people my age
1: are kind of nostalgic for the 70s, which we weren't even alive for, but this idea of going to a record store and, you know, buying or finding something just buying something based on the album art and not knowing what it is, not having Pitchfork to tell you about everything that just came out. But um, it's interesting because from a lot of people my age, we seem to miss... uh, that sense of simplicity where you don't know and you are living in a state of ignorance where you can, the only way you can hear new music is either the radio or hang out at a record store and buying stuff that looks interesting or, you know, stuff your friends recommend. Yep. But I guess um, the grass is always greener on the other side,
0: as they say. It is. I mean, even we pined for the 70s growing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my first cassette tape was I bought two at once. Color Me Bad, which was, it's a, it's a pretty. Great it's like eighty synth pop, right? Yeah, yeah. oh, it's yeah. pretty great. But I bought it with Led Zeppelin IV. That's only okay. Because, at least you balanced it yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, didn't know anything about Led Zeppelin, but I knew they were cool. And the cover of, for you know, has the mm-hmm. wizard on it. So I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, or not the, the inside jacks. I was like, all right, I can, I can get down with this wizard. Right. It looks very um, mysterious
1: because there's no um, no prints on the album art either. Right. Uh, it's probably the cassette was labeled, but on the art itself, it's just a yep. painting and that's it. Um, that's funny you say that because I had the very similar experience being 12 buying Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, which is my dad's music, but it was that... Uh, feeling of oh I've seen that image before this must be cool right? right and then you listen to it and you're like wow this is really cool <laughs> yeah, it's this like is amazing music the
0: scorn for dumb ignorant kids
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> just a fact of life really um, my next question um, how do you have so much time to be musical how do you, how do, you do it all um, do you sleep um, do you drink a lot of coffee what <laughs> what keeps you going? How do you um, not get bored but also have time to be involved in
0: so many different projects? So much coffee. <laughs> so little sleep. But I, I don't sleep because of the kids. Mm-hmm. Not because of music. But no, it's... I've, I've become very good at multitasking. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I do, the more I found that I used to procrastinate so much. Mm -hmm. and and looking back on it i was just like wow i was absolutely stupid for doing all that (laughs) procrastinating um because once and and now i'm you know all the projects i do now i'm really vested in like i want i want them yeah you know so so i find that i make the time for it and you know, depending upon the week, I'll, you know, I have to, like, geek out and structure up Like, okay, two hours here is writing for this, and then I teach for two hours, and then I'm good there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to structure it a lot. But the upshot of being, you know, so flexible a lot of times is that if I feel like stopping to work on Friday at noon, I sort mm-hmm. of just stop working.
1: Right. If you don't feel it, you don't feel it, and you yeah. f- wait
0: till you get inspired so, it's, so it's a, it, it seems to be a good balance where there are weeks that are terrible and I'm pulling my hair out mm-hmm. and then that can often be you know followed by a week where it's like oh okay now I'm nice and chill this feels good right then you can kind of ease into it I'm yeah. sure working with other people as well
1: and knowing and you're not the only one pulling the weight gives you more inspiration but also less stress that you know you need to write the whole symphony or oh, it whatever makes a it may be difference Mm-hmm. huge difference um, okay well this is my last and final question but what are you listening to these days what's um what's on your spotify if you even use spotify what um yeah what is your biggest influence right now
0: i'm i'm a total spotify junkie the the things that i'm listening to right now are yeah. So it's a fewfold. Um, I just made a playlist yesterday. The National came out with a new album, which mm-hmm. so far I really don't like. So I'm kind <laughs> of sad about that um, because I love them, but I just can't get into it. So I, need, I can't tell if I need to listen to it more. Right, their day might have come and gone. Yeah, jury's out on that. Yeah. Then there's a French composer who I actually was first introduced to from Turn Music. I played some of her songs with them, mm-hmm. which is this awesome blend of weird jazz, rock, cla- I don't even really know so how to describe it. So he's a contemporary her. then. Yeah, it's a woman named Nicole Lizet. Um mm. She's probably, I think she's a couple years younger than I am and makes this music that is just out there and weird and awesome. Right. And it has you such a really good groove to it. to it too the entire time. Mm. Which is great. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Very... Um, very diverse pair to lump together. I mean, that's the that's the that beauty of Spotify.
0: Spotify. That's like, I mean, that's why <laughs> I used to not like it because I was worried that I wouldn't hold on to an album long enough to grow to like it if I didn't like it. Yeah. Which I think sometimes I still do. Sometimes I sometimes throw away music too quickly. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. It's very easy to binge on music. Right. You know, and I don't, and I and I don't necessarily like that about it and about what it does to me. But by the same token, God, if I can just look up anything and all of a sudden I'm listening to it, it's mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, especially from a creative perspective where maybe you want to hear something new. Right. Um, it's there. You know, yep. you can find something fresh to keep you going. Um, well, that's all the questions and talking points I had right now. Um, did you have another piece you wanted to share with us tonight?
0: Yeah, I'll share the music from... The first collaboration I did with Erica Sampson miller which was between land and water. Mm-hmm. And after that, we did an installation over in Shelburne Farms. And so Very I cool. scored- I worked there over the summer. On, oh, uh, nice. Fun fact. So we, went, we put up in the, uh, in the farm barn mm-hmm. in one of the old bridal stalls. Right. Right outside. And it was really cool. And there were videos and photos from the event. And I scored, I sort of like recreated the improvisation at home. A little bit of what we did on the waterfront right, to mimic to just to be go with the videos, so it's scored for a couple of guitars, um, Adam Wood plays the piano and Shannon Holly plays guitar as well, and then viola with a bunch of delay and mm-hmm. processing added on it right
1: is this so this is improv then, or your part is just improv it's.
0: It's all structured improvisation, so right. I I sort of did these improvisations and then pieced them together to make a four or five minute piece. That makes sense. Yeah, as
1: in you um, cleaned up the music of the improv, or you um, took the recordings and
0: took the segments, recordings and like
1: Miles Davis style and a little yeah. bit more like that. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um. Yeah, what's the name of this piece? Just uh, out of curiosity. Between land and water. Between land and water. Cool. We'll have that coming up in just a second. Um, I'm your host, Caleb Humphrey. i here for the night. Um, we've been talking to Matt LaRocca. Um, and this is his music.